The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. everybody welcome to the sportscaster and her son where sports bridges the gap between the generations i'm your host peggy kaczynski 12-time emmy award-winning sportscaster at nbc chicago for 17 years i am the baby boomer i'm jason crane i'm a freshman at uc austin generation z and i'm a site editor for gojo Bruins. and yeah and you're, you're doing okay jason you sound a little under the weather how you feeling I'm feeling really sick right now. I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't felt this sick in a while. Uh, fingers crossed it's not COVID. I'm going to go get tested once we're done with this. And, um, you know, hopefully all's well. Cause I'm coming home in two and a half weeks. So, yeah, I guess if there's one silver lining to this, it's that I'm getting sick before I come home. So then I'll be able to get the full home experience when I'm back home. But, um, you know, it kind of sucks right now, especially with the great weather. and last football game this weekend it's a really inconvenient time to be sick but i just have to focus on my health above having a good time so okay buddy i feel bad for you all right let, let's talk about this episode your white Sox hired tony la Russa. after firing oh. manager of the year candidate ricky renteria who took the Southsiders to the postseason for the first time in 12 years. They hire a septuagenarian Hall of Fame coach, Tony La Russa, clearly a Jerry Reinsdorf decision. Uh, everyone knows the story that he never got over the fact that he let Hawk Harrelson fire La Russa 34 years ago when Hawk was the uh, general manager. And now, late in life, he's making amends. Jason, most Sox fans hate this move if you were to believe talk radio here in Chicago. How do you feel? Yeah. Uh, this, so this is one of the things. Obviously, I hear things about the White Sox before they get out. I hear rumors. I hear like little blips of things that might happen that people are talking about, that the organization is talking about. And when I heard this for the first time in my Twitter DMs, I was like, there is no way in hell they're going to do this because that goes against the organizational direction. You have a young team with players that are under control for the next five, six seasons. You would like a manager who is used to working with that, A.J. Hinch, and a manager who is able to cater to a young clubhouse, a clubhouse that obviously has a lot of fun with the bat flips and the celebrations and the handshakes, and a clubhouse that is very diverse. The White Sox have one of the most diverse clubhouses in all of baseball. And they hire a 76-year-old manager who uh, has left baseball before defensive shifts, manager challenges, and stat cast has been in the game. So it's going to be really interesting. Honestly, I've been telling all my friends and everybody I've talked to, if they win the World Series next year, the move will always be good for me because all I've ever wanted is to see a White Sox World Series. But if we are two years down the line, and the White Sox have not won a World Series, or at the very least made it to the World Series, will go down as one of the worst moves in sports history. 
the White Sox had the opportunity to hire two of the top five managers in the sport in A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, and they didn't even interview either of them, which is an absolute disaster in its own right. LaRusso, there's no doubting that he's one of the greatest managers in the history of the sport, but I believe that the game has tapped him up. I don't know if he's going to be able to adjust to the game. Like I said, he was not in baseball the last time when the manager challenges. In fact, he, he had been retired for two, three years before the manager challenge was in the play. Are we even going to shift the infield this year? Is he going to be able to adjust to the three batter minimum? Are guys like Lucas Giolito or Dallas Price going to be left in the game for too long? I, I, I'm really concerned. I'm intrigued, and I'm really hoping that it's going to end up being the best move, but I can't help but think it's selfish on Jerry Ryan's first part. Well, you know what's crazy, though, is that he's supposed to be the anti-analytics hire, yet when Tony LaRussa came into the game as a manager, he was considered the nouveau manager because he was a lawyer. He had a law degree, and he was outsmarting everybody else, and people thought, oh, gosh, this is new school baseball. It's never going to work. So if he was able to change it back then, what's not to say that he can't adapt now? He's a smart guy. Well, he's not the only smart guy in baseball. In fact, the White Sox passed up in two Stanford grads in A.J. Hinch and Sam Fold. So clearly there are other smart guys out there. I hate to pull the age card, but the ability to adjust for a second time to a changing game at the age of 76 is something that I really, really worry about. I, Again, it goes back to shifting for me. It goes back to, to pitch changes, pinch hitting. Tampa Bay Rays came two games short of winning a World Series, and they did that through platooning their entire team for the most part, using openers half of their playoff games, and 150% playing the matchups. And yes, it ended up coming back to bite Yep. Having cash in the rage, and they pulled Blake Snell in, in the fifth or sixth inning it of sure game did. six. But that's just a small, small sample size, especially for a team that ran the table with the top seed in the American League, made it all the way to the World Series, and put up a fight against an incredibly good Dodgers team. So, again, you need to have analytics in baseball. And what I've been telling people is what's going to matter the most for the LaRusso hires, who he hires around him. It's not going to be as much about him. It's going to be as, it's going to be more about the bench coach and the pitching coach. And I just hope that they can make the right decision with those two, because truth be told, the bench coach is likely going to be the next manager. And if they can get somebody good like Joe Espada from the Astros, or I, I've heard AJ Krasinski's name thrown out there a million and a half times. Uh, even if they were to sign Yadi or Molina to be the backup catcher this year, you wonder if Yadi could be breeded into being a future manager because of his leadership and game-calling skills. So it's going to be more about who LaRusso hires around him. Obviously, the, micro, the microscope will be very much under him this year. Um, it's just, it makes me laugh a little bit to think that the White Sox had, had this in their hands. A.J. Hinch, you could have fired him. World Series winning manager, one of the most successful managers in recent memory. Say what you will about cheating, but I think that a lot of people would rather have a proven cheater than a 76-year-old at this time. Well, you're going to see a lot of them now that he's in the division, and that could really, really come back to hurt the White Sox. <laughs> it's written in the stars. It is, it is absolutely written in the stars. And you know who else is in the division? The One of the youngest managers in baseball, Rocco Baldelli from the Twins. Um, a former La Russa understudy in Mike Matheny. And... Terry Francona in Cleveland, who 
he, we could be seeing the end of his managerial career. And then the Indians are going to go hire someone young. They could hire Sandy Alomar Jr., who was brought up for the White Sox role. Yep. So it is just there are so many storylines, especially in the AL Central next year. And I really hope to God that Ricky Renner retired somewhere else because that truly is one of the most depressing, sad baseball stories ever, especially if the White Sox end up winning the World Series in the next two years. But, you know, I do agree that they needed to change, and it's, it's going to be so interesting seeing how LaRusso manages guys like uh, Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. And is Jimmy Cordero going to be allowed to – to pull up his sleeves and show off his biceps when he's pitching? Probably not. Is Tim Anderson going to be able to bat flip a homer in the third inning of the game in April? Probably not. It's, <laughs> it's going to be so, so, so interesting. I just hope that it doesn't suck all the fun out of this team because they really, truly have an exciting roster, and it's only going to go off the free agency. Well, I, I listen, I think that LaRusso is smart enough to understand all of that, and he's he's not dumb enough to try to just impose old-school ways on a team like that yeah. and, and suck the life yep. out of them. Ozzie Guillen even said this week that once Jerry Reinsdorf told Ozzy that he would not be the manager, and Ozzy was pretty upset about it, but when he was told that it was going to be Tony LaRusso, Ozzy said, it's the greatest move they could make. So... Why don't we, Jason, let's bring in let's bring in someone else who has played for Tony LaRussa. Maybe he can put your concerns at ease. How about somebody like a Ryan Terrio? Should we give him a call? Let's do it. All right, Jason. So I know you're upset about the LaRussa hire because you're such a big White Sox fan, but I I want to bring in someone. I'm not sure if he can actually give us, uh, make us feel a little better about it, but he did play for Tony LaRusa, two-time World Series champ, former Cardinal and former Cub, now host of the Riot Podcast on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Ryan Terrio is joining us. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm great, Peggy. How are you? We are doing okay, but I got to talk Jason off the ledge here because he really wanted A.J. Hinch in Chicago on the south side, and instead it looks like Jerry Reinsdorf got his way and is kind of, you know, making things better uh, 34 years ago when La Russa was fired by the White Sox. But you, <laughs> but you played for Tony La Russa. So first of all, were you shocked when you heard that the White Sox hired him and brought him out of retirement to manage again? I wasn't. I wouldn't say shocked, Peggy. I would say I was. I was a little surprised. You know, when when Dusty uh, was brought back last year in Houston, I kind of. I'll be honest. The first thought I had was, okay, Tony's probably going to come out of retirement and manage again because of the rival those guys had and and all that stuff. But, um, but no, I mean. I don't think shock would be the word. Surprise, probably a little bit. Because like you said, there's some very qualified managers that are out there still that I think could do a great job, um, you know. Well, you you played for him right before he retired, you know, winning mm-hmm. winning the title in St. Louis. You were brought, I believe you, they traded for you right that season? Yeah. Well, no, I signed, uh, I signed as a free agent in St. Louis. Okay, so you signed as a free agent. So... Take us back to Tony Larusa at that time um, was sixty in his mid sixties, you know, late sixties. What was he like to play for? Um, you know, what what should we expect? Well, 
you know, I was very blessed and fortunate to play for a lot of just Hall of Fame caliber managers. Um, you know, Lou Pinella and Dusty Baker, Joe Torre, um, Tony, Bruce Bochy. You know, so it, it was it was really awesome for me to be around those those types of leaders. Um, Tony, of all of those guys, was the most prepared uh, by far. Meaning, nothing caught him off guard. Um, he had sticky notes, and stats, and information for everything that was going on. You know, the analytics of today's game um, will, will not be too much for him. He's probably actually going to love it. Um, you know, and and, uh, and and a great communicator. You know, a, a guy that can that that can communicate with all different types of of baseball player that you have. You know, the clubhouse in major leagues can be extremely diverse. Um, it's obviously guys from all over America, different backgrounds, but but of all the major sports, you know, probably soccer is similar, but you have players from, from different areas of the world and um, different cultures. And Tony was just a master as far as communicating with all those players and getting them to play hard for him. Jason? The thing that I've been, the thing that I've been seeing on Twitter and honestly a little bit admittedly say with myself that I think people are getting the most caught up in is the age. Yeah. 76 years old is not young no matter how good you look, no matter how good you sound. Do you think that the age is really going to matter? Because I think that people are worrying so much about their, like, ah, oh, this team's going to peak when he's 80 and we needed a manager for the next decade. Do you think age is really going to matter when the objective is always just to win the World Series? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what what is the manager really doing anyway? It's a great question to ask now more than ever when we see a move like Kevin Cash made in the world of snow and it's been rumored that, you know, that came from up top and, Everybody says the general managers and ownership is actually making out the lineups now. And, you know, the managers are just merely a figurehead. You've seen managerial salaries go down because of that. They've added back-end analytics support, um, you know, Zoom meetings with Harvard grads that never played baseball before telling, uh, you know, major league manager who should play in what position. So the game has shifted and changed quite a bit. I don't think Tony's age – has anything to, to do with it, you know, now he's in, he's in, in good health. I know that, um, you know, I know he's got a ton of energy. Uh, so I, I don't see that being a problem now. It would be a problem if he says, Hey guys, I'm going to manage for a couple of years and then I'm out, you know, then you got to wonder if free agents are going to want to come in and play if they don't know what type of stability there's going to be from a, a managerial standpoint. But I don't see him taking the job, Jason, unless, He's got five, six, seven years in him, you know, to give to the organization. Another, so a couple names that I've seen brought up, your, both of your former teammates, Chris Carpenter was mentioned as a potential option to be the new pitching coach. And mm-hmm. Yadier Molina, who's a free agent this year, saw on Twitter this week that his name was mentioned as potentially being brought in to be the White Sox backup catcher. So can you speak on either of those two former teammates, the impact and um, how like their abilities would help the White Sox if they were to come in and help the organization next year? Well, first, I don't ever see Yachty being a backup. So I don't think that'll happen. Um, you know, we're talking about the greatest catcher to ever put the gear on. You know, I don't care what you say. This guy defensively impacted the game in an era where um, great athletes, I mean, the, the, the peak of the athlete in baseball, and Yachty was a shut-down defensive game-changer 
taught himself to be a, a, a really good hitter, you know. So I don't see that happening. Now, if, if you could get Chris Carpenter to manage, excuse me, to coach, you know, that'd be a great get. Carp has some really interesting traits. You know, we saw what he did on the field. You know, obviously you saw what he did in 11 in the World Series and had a great career prior to that. But just a, a leader in every sense of the word, players gravitated toward him. When he spoke, people listened. You know, he's kind of got that commanding personality. You know, I mentioned the game changing and getting a little bit younger and and a little bit more flashy. You know, is, is Tony going to have the ability to, to change, you know? If you bring in a Chris Carpenter, is he going to have the ability to change? Because it's not what it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, as far as the players expressing themselves differently and, and the unwritten rules are starting to be erased, as we've all seen. So I think there's going to have to be some give and take on both sides in order for this marriage to work. But I do think it's a phenomenal hire anytime you can bring on Tony LaRusa, You know, I, I think I think you got to do it. Y'all, honestly... I and I've said this before in a few interviews talking about this, he's the greatest baseball mind I've ever been around. And I mentioned some pretty good ones. And it's taken nothing away from the guys I played for because they're all phenomenal managers. But he just was excellent in a lot, a lot of areas. That's really interesting. One of the things you brought up, Ryan, Jason and I were just talking about, and, and the whole thing about, you know, can a guy change? Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can change some of his philosophies. But... Just talking about whether or not a, a guy can change, uh, I, I have to take umbrage with, with something I've been hearing in Chicago radio and people saying, you know, here he was very outspoken against the Colin Kaepernick's and other athletes who followed in kneeling during the anthem. And he was asked about that at his press conference after he was hired. And he said, you know, I've, I've changed. I've opened my mind to it. I understand and I applaud the way baseball and other athletes are looking now at the injustices to people and racial injustices. And I got to tell you, like, I have to agree with him because I didn't like it. You know, when it was happening at first, I didn't understand it. I opened my mind and I've changed the way I now see it and understand it. And when people look and say, oh, come on, he can't change. It drives me crazy because, you know, if we all can't have, you know, room for growth and becoming better people in our lives, well, then we're all going to be stuck where we've been the last couple of years and everybody, you know, hating on each other. So I happen to think that he is a smart man. Uh, He's a very intelligent guy. I think he is going to open up his mind to it. You know, he's got children and grandchildren. I think he is smart enough to know that Tim Anderson is going to be able to do the bat flip because that is what the fans love on the south side of Chicago. That's just how I see it. And it takes a it takes a, a, a very mature person to be able to do that. You know, you mentioned intelligence. It takes an intelligent person to have the wherewithal, you know, to and, and the self evaluation. I guess would probably be a better phrase, but to to say, you know what, let, let me take a step back and and look at this and, and really try to learn a little bit more. Um, you know, about what's going on in our country and in and, and the way that, that we can approach this and affect some change. And, and, and look, I, I think that, so two things, a couple observations from, and this is just the World Series this year, but I felt like the games were, um, I felt like the games were scripted. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, which which they all are to a certain extent, right? Before the game starts, the manager has a really good idea of what he wants to do. But I think managers stuck to the script more than they should and didn't kind of manage with their gut or feel. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, kind of talking about the World Series, you, you would see, even the playoffs as well, but, you know, you would see guys on the bench that had two, three hits the night before or, you know, just because the, the numbers said that they shouldn't play. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a game, and this is from my playing career, but when I was playing for Tony, there was a game when I was in, we were playing Milwaukee, I think it was the playoffs in 11, and I had just murdered the Brewers throughout my career. Um, I loved hitting in that stadium. The ball looked like a beach ball over there for whatever reason, and their pitchers stunk. So it was a it was a match made in heaven. But I go in, um, you know, at about noon before the game to get ready, and I wasn't in the lineup. And so obviously I was pissed. So I went in Tony's office, said, "Hey, man, what the hell's going on?" Like. I kill these guys, you know, my lifetime batting average, you know, whatever it was here. And, you know, the guy that was pitching, I can't remember who it was, but I had a lot of success off of him. I mean, I was sure I was going to be in there. And, you know, he says, Ryan, the numbers say you should play, but I've got some different numbers that say you should on this day when the temperature is below this. And then, you know, he goes all these crazy <laughs> numbers and metrics and, and I'm looking at him. I went in there with every intent to get pissed, but I couldn't because, you know, he was right. And lo and behold, Skip Schumacher goes out and he gets two or three hits and, you know, he was right. So I think managing with, managing with your gut, also managing, you know, using the information that's available, he's going to be deadly. If you would have put him managing the Tampa Bay Rays this year, they win. You know, it's a mixture between both. Y'all, look, there's not a doubt in my mind he's going to manage circles around some of these guys that have relied solely on a laminated card rather than using their eyes to to see, you know, who's the hot hand. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now, back to our conversation with Ryan Terrio. So I mentioned Tim Anderson. Does he need to win over the players in that clubhouse, do you think? And how do you think he will go about doing this i think the second he walks in that clubhouse he's going to command so much respect that it's already done you know there's there's certain people in our game that 
command that type of respect. You know, when, when, when Tony would walk through the clubhouse, everybody shut the hell up. You, you know, when he called you in his office, you knew it was for something important. Now, it was 10 years ago, granted, and these guys probably, you know, never played against him. But all you got to do is Google this guy's track record and, or ask around, you know, what type of manager, what type of guy he is. I mean, I, I think our players are so informed nowadays to where it's not going to be not going to be very difficult you know winning over a clubhouse because i love by the way i love the white Sox youth i love the energy they play with and i think they're going to be a great team um i think it gives them more confidence i mean from a team that's oozing with confidence anyway right i mean you guys have seen it Mm -hmm. i think they have more now quick story about tony and, and i'm probably talking too much but i apologize but no you're not this is great you know, he always talked about having an edge, always. Like, that was his thing, you know. And so before the game started, he wanted to make sure that the team, you know, that, that we had an edge. And sometimes it would be it would be BS, you know. Like, a lot of times I feel like he was just making stuff up to convince us that we were better than the, the opponent that day, and he probably was, truthfully. But he was big on an, on an edge. As the Cardinals in 11, we faced so much adversity, but, y'all, when we would go into games there at the end, convinced we were going to win when the entire country, you know, knew we were going to lose. But but he created some sort of false sense of, 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 of security that we have this thing. Like, mm-hmm. we can't lose today because it's 74 degrees and the wind's blowing north to south, you know, at six miles an hour. And we got uh, Kyle Lowe's pitching and his ERA is blah on September the 2nd. Like, and we go, okay, all right, well, let's do it then. You know, we're, we're going to win this thing. So I think he gives them a boost, y'all. I mean, I really, really do. And baseball is such a confidence-driven game. You know, throw those damn numbers out the door. If you feel sexy in the batter's box and you're confident, you're going to have success. And I watched Kenley Jansen, and I love Kenley Jansen. I played with him. He's a, he's a wonderful guy and he's had a great career. But I watched Kenley Jansen in the World Series go to his I believe it was his hat or he had a card in his back pocket when a pinch hitter came up and he pulled it out and he looked at the card and I went, he's done. (sighs) He doesn't have confidence in what he's getting ready to do. He's not prepared. Mm -hmm. Now his mind is spinning. He's thinking rather than executing. And, you know, Tony's going to give them that confidence and that edge. Jason, I hope I'm making you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) But you You definitely are. But but he is, y'all. I'm just telling you, I witnessed it. I saw it. I lived it. I mean, he beat the hell out of me for, you know, seven years when I played for the Cubs. And then I got to see it firsthand, you know, exactly what it was when I was in St. Louis. I know Jason's got another question for you, but I just got to tell you, when you were saying that about uh, looking at your, uh, looking at the card to see the player that was up next, you know, that's what Bears fans are dealing with right now. And that's Matt Nagy, who has his face mm-hmm. so deep into his laminated play card that he doesn't have a feel for what's going on on the field and calling a game with a feel behind it. So, uh, but I digress. That's that's a whole nother problem that we have here in Chicago. Peggy, let's be honest. The Bears stink. Oh, okay, God. And that's a <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, they are the best five and two team <laughs> that you're going to see. Okay. Now they're actually the worst five and two team. <laughs> I actually picked them to beat the Saints last week, Ugh. purely on temperature and conditions. 
because Drew does not like playing outside. Yeah. Uh, this is our weekly Bears, you know, exasperation with them. But, Jason, I know um, you are at school, so I want to let you ask a couple more questions to Ryan, and Ryan's got his podcast to tape as well. So go ahead, Jason. Okay. Um, I have watched every single White Sox game religiously ever since I was in, like, fourth grade, and I can tell you, the biggest problem under Ricky Renteria was like the mental errors, the just like just like stupid stuff, like where anybody at home watching goes, like, "Well, that clearly wasn't the right decision," or like balls going through, going under the gloves, just mental errors, not being a disciplined team, not having your fundamentals up to par. Mm-hmm. How will Tony Larusa improve that? Because based on what you're saying, it sounds like he's more of a player's manager than what he is painted to be, and he's mm-hmm. going to adjust analytically and culturally so how is he going to be able to shore up the fundamentals and the stupid errors and yeah. bring this white Sox team full circle well i can tell you jason a lot of that stuff is fixed in spring training you know um it's it's corrected with personnel number one you have the right guys in the right uniforms in the right spots um which which he'll be a part of you know um but but that a lot of those things that you're talking about man that's addressed early i mean that's addressed in uh, you know in Arizona or Florida during spring training, and so um, you know that's going to look a lot different. I mean, the way that, that this team prepares for a season um, this year, as opposed to the ones you mentioned in the past, I, I believe is going to change. You know, um, it, they they prepare, we prepare uh, from day one to win in October, and when balls go through your legs or you're not covering the proper base or throw into the wrong base, or you can't advance a runner or get a guy in from third, less than two outs. If, if you can't do those things, you can't win in October. And it has nothing to do with personal numbers or, um, you know, accolades. I mean, look at, look at David Freeze and, and, and a really great player had a wonderful career, but if you get David Freeze in it back in October, you know, he is dangerous. You know, the, the whole thing is a preparation, you know, to, 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 to win the World Series. It's not a, we got to get to the playoffs. I'm telling you, that, that's not the thought. That was the one big difference with spring training for me. When I walked in that clubhouse, spring training in Florida, there was a feel of not, man, I hope we have a good year. Let's, let's, let's you know, make the playoffs. It was. All right, we're we're winning the World Series this year, you know, and how are we going to do it? And everything was that was talked about, you know, we we prepared for that. And when the bright lights came on, you know, and, and it's it's um you know go go time, you know the it, it guys were prepared, you know, they were ready to go. So Tony Larusa is one of the hands down one of the greatest managers of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's won three World Series, four managers of the year. At the age of 76, what do you think he is personally trying to – why did he come back? What is, what is he trying to get out of managing one last time when he seemingly accomplished all that you could possibly want to accomplish as a manager of baseball? Mm. I mean, without talking to him, because I have it. You know, I, I text with him a little bit, but I haven't talked to him. Um, Without talking to him, and I, he'd probably be the better one to answer that question. I, I think that he probably sees something on the south side that that's very interesting. You know, I think he—I would have to guess—that that he thinks the team has a great chance to win a World Series, 
and, and probably he sat back and watched what's going on in the manager's chair and went, oh, that's how they're going to do this? Uh, let me get back in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to go manage a team that didn't have a chance, a really good chance to win a World Series. That was not going to happen. Um, you know, so he was probably looking for the right for the right opportunity. And once he got that right opportunity, he jumped, man. And, and you know, I commend him for doing it. Tony's got a lot of energy, does a lot of, of, of charity work, and, you know, obviously stayed in the game front office standpoint. I, he probably sees something, as, does a, as do a lot of other people, by the way, that, that aren't lifelong White Sox fans, see something going on up there and go, oh, man, they've got a young core. They've got some exciting players. They've got arms like this. They could be set up to, to be really good for a while, you know. Um, maybe he wants to be a part of that. And, and, and let's not forget, guys, you know, a, another Bears reference here. He's not he's not John Fox who's looking for his retirement job. He obviously still has some juice, you know, to sit on the bench. He still wants to be a part of the game, which I think it's great. And I'm – I am all for it. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And I agree with Jason's assessment. Let's see who he hires as his bench coach. Let's see who his protégés are going to be that, um, you know, he may be handing it off to uh, in the next couple of years. So, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about Tony LaRusso. We really appreciate your insights. Some great stories. Not a problem, Peggy. I appreciate y'all having me. And Jason, thank you. And I'll talk to you guys soon. You got to Take care of the, that LSU Tigers team, man. You guys got some work to do down there. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right. See you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Jason, how about your predictions? Okay, my prediction. So, college football this weekend, I know, I think I mentioned this like every single episode. I'm not supposed to say like like when we're taping, but this weekend's pretty big for college football because by this weekend, every single conference will be back because the Pac-12 is opening up this weekend. The MAC is starting this week. They're actually starting tonight, which is really exciting. Um, but anyway, I'm going to say right now that the Big Ten is going to be an absolute disaster. The first week was cool. Don't get me wrong, but with the situation in Wisconsin right now, and the Badgers have now canceled two back-to-back games, and if they cancel a third game and will not qualify for the Big Ten Championship, that would be an absolute catastrophe. Because right now, you look at the top of the Big Ten, it's Ohio State, Wisconsin, and that's it. Maybe Indiana, but I don't think Indiana's for real. So if Wisconsin ends up having to cancel a third consecutive game and thus be ineligible for the Big Ten Championship, I don't think a Big Ten team will necessarily make the playoff this year because Ohio State would just lack the resume and they would also lack the schedule because if Wisconsin has to cancel games, other teams will have to cancel games and I don't think Ohio State would play full schedule. So I know I probably went a little too long, but I'm going to say that no Big Ten team will make the playoff. Really okay. Bold, but, Alrighty, yeah. next. Um, Okay. Yeah, I know you're trying to rush me a little bit, Mom. I'm um, not. I'm, I'm not. Gonna say, I'm going to say uh, that the Bears are going to end up making the playoffs. I know 5-3 and three is eh, especially when you start out 5-1. and one. But I still really like the fight in this team, and I really like the way that they match up against the division in particular. They match up well against Tampa, and then Tampa beat the wheels off of Green Bay. So I'm hoping that that can translate. Obviously, there's no transitive property in football. but I'm hoping that that can translate. 
Um, once the O-line gets healthy, I think that David Montgomery is going to get more involved. Hopefully we'll see a lot less Cordero Patterson shotgun handoff. But I think that the Bears still look good. Stick with Foles. Foles, Foles was good at the end of the game, and I think 10-6 and six will get us into the playoffs as a wild card. Oh, boy, you are an optimist. Okay, do you have one more? <laughs> I mean, we're going to sweep Minnesota and beat Detroit again, so there's three wins right there, and then beat Jacksonville and, and mm-hmm. Houston and boom, 10 wins. Okay. Um, okay, so my final prediction, I am going to say – that I do not make any meal or any side or any appetizers for Thanksgiving this year. Well, that's an easy win there. I mean, I know that's going to happen. <laughs> I couldn't think of one, and I thought it's the easiest layup prediction ever. <sighs> All right. Hey, here's my final thoughts. John Lester found 4,838 ways to say thank you to Cub fans. The Cubs declined his $25 million option, making him a free agent, so the pitcher may have played his last game in Chicago. So, It's been quite a ride. Six years, co-MVP of the 2016 NLCS. He helped bring the World Series back to the north side after 108 years. He is the winningest lefty in Cubs history. So how exactly do you say goodbye and thank you to Cub fans? You buy them drinks. Lester bought 4,838 Miller Lights for Cub fans at four different bars in Wrigleyville. He posted his bills on Twitter under the hashtag John's tab. And for a grand total of $47,000 he spent. And get this, the staff got 30% or more tip. $1,700 and $1,300 on two of the bills. In Chicago, Lester's time became Miller time, a pitcher with great taste. I don't know if he's less filling, but everything you always wanted in a sports icon for Cub fans. And with that, let's say our goodbye, Jason. Our thanks again to Ryan Terrio for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at R. Therio. I'm saying that with a T-H because you got to know how to spell his name at R-T-H-E-R-I-O-T-7. Or listen to him on The Riot Podcast, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge on their Facebook page. And hey, we are now a member of the Power Room Radio Network, home to some of the best Chicago podcasts found on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen, as well as the Power Room Network on YouTube. And... Do not forget that you can find the podcast website at thesportscastrandhotson.com, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest, too. Hey, thank you all for listening. A reminder, if you love the show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcaster.com slash sportscaster and follow the simple instructions. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Jason, be healthy, okay, buddy? Please do it. I wanted to take this part. I wanted to say, do a better job of being safe than I have been, like we said earlier in the show. I'm very under the weather right now. Hope that all is well. Please stay safe. Be inside. Wear a mask. I've I've been doing most of those things, but you can always be more careful. All right, buddy. I love you. Goodbye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.